Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to an episode, another episode of the one, the only Sean Sports Stop podcast, where your boy talks about the biggest news in sports. A bit of a slower day today, the Monday post the NFC and AFC championship games. This is episode number 800. Episode number 383, um, and it's sponsored by Crimson IT. Shout out to them. If you or someone you know has a small or medium-sized company that needs managed IT services, head over to crimsonit.com. Tell them that you found them from your boy, Sean, host of Sean Sports Stop Podcast, greatest podcast in the world, by the way, and they'll give you a fat discount on whatever it is you're looking for. Best sports picks in the world at Lenny's Picks on Instagram, free for a limited time. And shout out to Jazzy and Ariel for being great people. Love you guys for real. Appreciate y'all. And with that said, let's get right into it, starting with some good old NBA basketball. Monty Williams, what a guy. If you would have told me a couple years ago that he would make the jump that he has made in the NBA coaching scene, I would have called you certifiably nuts. Monty Williams already coaches arguably the best team in the NBA. They certainly look the best, at least in my opinion, thus far. But he will have a chance to coach a group of the best players in the world after he clinched his spot as one of the All-Star Games coaches. Uh, Williams' Phoenix Suns defeated the San Antonio Spurs 115-110 on Sunday, meaning they will be atop the Western Conference standings at the All-Star break, regardless of what happens until then. That means that Monty Williams will coach Team LeBron in the exhibition. The head coach will be joined by his staff for the game in Cleveland on February 20th. They will lead Team LeBron at the Western Conference coaches as the Western Conference coaches, because LeBron James was the leading vote-getter in the Western Conference. Whichever coaching staff is leading the Eastern Conference through February 6th will coach Team Durant after Kevin Durant tallied the most votes on that side of the standings. LeBron and KD will be joined by Stephen Curry, John Morant, Nikola Jokic, Andrew Wiggins, interesting, DeMar DeRozan, Trey Young, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid as all-star starters. The reserves will be announced Thursday on TNT. KD and LeBron will first pick from the starters and then the reserves during the All-Star Game draft. As for Monty Williams' sons, they're 40 and 9. I mean, wow, what a what an amazing draft. 40 and 9 is very, very, very impressive. And they're three and a half games clear of the Golden State Warriors following their win over the Spurs. Chris Paul dazzled, and boy, has he found a home with the Phoenix Suns. 20 points, 19 assists. I mean, yo. 20 points and 19 assists are video game numbers. Let's take a look at how old Chris Paul is at the time of this recording. It is January 31st, 2022. I almost said 2021. They're almost slipped up. Chris Paul, the point god himself, at 36 years of age, is putting up 20 points, 19 assists, 19 assists, and 8 rebounds, while Devin Booker, who had 28, and Mikael Bridges, who had 26, were the go-to scorers. This is Monty Williams' third season as head coach of the Phoenix Suns, and he led them to the NBA Finals last season. It's hard to believe that he has been the head coach of the Phoenix Suns for or in his third year now. Uh, anything short of a championship this time around would fall short of their expectations. Since they are 40-9, and nine, they did make the NBA Finals last year, so anything short of winning the Finals would be a disappointment. I mean, if they make the Finals and lose again, that would obviously be heartbreaking, but objectively, that's not, that's not a failure of a season. 
But yeah, speaking of failures, <laughs> how about the San Francisco 49ers? During the San Francisco 49ers loss to the Los Angeles Rams in last night's NFC Championship game, a key moment occurred in the fourth quarter when 49ers defensive back Jaquiski Tart dropped a potential interception. After the game, Tart took took to Twitter and accepted blame for failing to make a play that would have I'm not going to say sealed the game, but at the very least would have been a huge shift in momentum. He tweeted, no excuses. I deserve all the criticism my way. Opportunity I dream of. I came up short. Let my brothers down. It still won't define me as a person slash player. Only will get stronger and better. Hashtag believe that. Um, nothing but class. Nothing but respect um, for Tart. I personally can't imagine how difficult it is to have you know, a moment served up on a silver platter to you like that and to on that stage uh, to just not not come up with the ball. Uh, I mean, I'm a diehard Rams fan, so fuck the 49ers, but I really feel for this guy. I mean, and he seems like a really nice dude. Like it's, it's tough. I mean, I can't relate, but not to the, to the, you know, to the fit, to the, to the stage that he made this mistake on, but man, I can, I can imagine that it's tough. He also took responsibility for the drop during his post game press conference so obviously he was gutted. The play occurred almost midway through the fourth quarter with the 49ers leading 17 to 14. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford fired a deep ball intended for Van Jefferson, but he overshot the receiver and the ball hit Tart right in the chest before bouncing off his hands to hit the ground. And it was, I mean, it was such um it was such an easy play for him, kind of objectively, that Joe Buck, uh com- football commentator for Fox. Literally said, oh, Stafford going deep to Van Jefferson picked. Oh, never mind, dropped. I mean, he literally called the play as if Tart caught the ball for an interception because that's how easy it was. He laid on the few laid on the field for a few seconds with hands with his hands on his helmet in disappointment. He was seen being consoled by teammates well after the play had happened. I mean, I really do feel for the guy. San Francisco head coach Kyle Shanahan had some encouraging words for Tart after the game, saying the loss didn't come down to just that one play, and it really didn't. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was not great. Uh, He gets too much hate, but more on that later. Uh, The 49ers blew a lot of other opportunities. It wasn't solely on Tart, not at all. And Shanahan, Shanahan said, quote, Tart has done a lot of good things. I'll tell you he was one of the best players on the field last week versus Green Bay, which is absolutely true. I've loved him being on our team here since I've been here. I know he's disappointed in that drop that he had, but there's a lot of other plays in the game, and I'm very happy with Tart was that that Tart was on our team this year. I could think of another moment: the 49ers uh, up big, or they had the lead. It wasn't like huge, but they were up significantly with the ball at the Rams, like 50 or 40 yard line, something like that, fourth and two, and they decide to not go for it. That I mean, had they got that first down, that would have probably been the dagger in the heart of the Rams. Eerily similar to how the Rams just needed a first down uh, late in their in the week, week 18 matchup against these same 49ers. But Sean McVay played it conservatively, you know, gave Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers a chance. They tied the game late and then ended up winning in overtime. Had they lost that game, people forget the 49ers would not have made the NFC Championship game. They would not have even made the playoffs uh, at all. So, so, yeah, the 49ers, they exceeded expectations. We have more on the 49ers. I told you there would be more on Jimmy Garoppolo. And I didn't lie. San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo may have played his last game for the team in Sunday's loss to the LA Rams. After the game, Garoppolo explained his emotions and indicated that he's not thinking about the future right now, saying, quote, they hit pretty hard in the locker room. These next couple days, they'll settle in a little bit. Just smile from it and think about the good things he said. 
We'll see what happens in the next couple of days and weeks. That does not sound like someone that is coming back to this team. He completed 60 of 30 passes for 232 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday, but he also threw a very ill-advised interception late in the fourth quarter on the Niners' final possession, which sealed it for the Rams. After signing a five-year contract worth $137 million in 2018, Garoppolo set to count for a $26.9 million cap hit next season for spot track. However, none of that is guaranteed, and the 49ers would only eat $1.4 million in dead money if they were to release him, which... If they're not able to find a trade partner, it could be a very viable option because the presence of rookie quarterback Trey Lance, who the Niners selected with the third overall pick in the 2021 draft, also indicates that they are ready to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, just like they moved on from Colin Kaepernick in favor of Jimmy G. Uh, after Sunday's game, 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan was asked about Garoppolo's future, and he also said that it was not on his mind at the moment, but he had a lot of praise for his quarterback, as did pretty much everyone else. Uh, Kyle said, quote, I love Jimmy. I'm going, I'm not going to sit here and make a farewell statement or anything right now. It's the last stuff on my mind, but Jimmy has battled his ass off. He battled today. He did some unbelievable things today. I love coaching Jimmy. Uh, and honestly, I'm a big Rams fan. Like I've said, and I've said this previously throughout the 49ers playoff run. I have gained a lot, a lot of respect for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, He's not the most talented guy. He does make bad decisions. He does fuck up a lot. He throws a lot of interceptions, a lot of which are ill-advised. But he he's tough. He plays through pain. He plays through injuries. He finds ways for his team to win. I mean, some people are just winners. I mean, look at Tom Brady. He is not a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers skill-wise. But how many championships, how many Super Bowls, how many wins, how many accolades does tom brady have and how many does aaron Rodgers have let's just look at super bowls same thing applies for jimmy garoppolo he may not be the most talented he may not be the best but he finds ways for the 40 i mean the 49ers were one huge fourth quarter collapse away from two super bowls in three years with jimmy g under center so say what you want about the guy but he finds ways to win football games playoff football games comes up big in big moments. Obviously, that interception doesn't kind of doesn't uh, signify that. But I think a lot of teams would be glad to have Jimmy G. And I think he gets a lot of unnecessary, unwarranted hate from the 49ers. I mean, keep in mind that, look, you made the NFC Championship game. You were in the Super Bowl two years ago. I think more blame, personally, I think more blame should be shifted onto Kyle Shanahan than Jimmy Garoppolo. But that's just me. Uh, switching gears to some college football this is some historic stuff right here grambling state shout out emmanuel fortune is planning to announce a new name image and likeness deal that will compensate each of the school scholarship athletes according to espn very interesting um pete thamel of espn described the agreement as quote believed to be the first of its kind he added that the amount of money that will be paid out to the athletes is unknown Proponents of NIL reform have argued that allowing students to receive monetary compensation could be a great equalizer in college sports. One sports economist, didn't know that, I did not know that was a thing, told Yahoo Sports' Dan Wetzel that, quote, it's impossible for the competitive balance to get worse than the gulf between the haves and, and have-nots that grew under the longtime model for college athletics. Not really sure what that means. So now schools outside of a major conference or an entire division below, in the case of some grambling programs from grambling state can flex their financial muscle to help bridge the gap interesting michael mccann tweet tweeted quote uh smart move by grambling state 
school will deservedly get credit for making deal happen where the entity that pays players isn't the school but is instead a third party best kind of deal for a school builds goodwill with, build goodwill with athletes helps them get paid but school isn't the payer yeah that's that's very interesting i didn't quite realize that that was the case uh this kind of certifies that the athletes will not be bribed there is no conflict of interest if it's the if it's a third party kind of paying the athletes Grambling State's NIL deal also comes as it's gaining traction for elite high school athletes to commit to historically black colleges and universities. The Atlantic's Jamel Hill made the case in October 2019 that HBCUs would gain benefits beyond the playing field if they once again became landing spots for top talent. Deion Sanders is making absolute waves at Jackson State. He signed five four-star recruits in his 2021 class and will add Travis Hunter, the number one player in 24-7 sports composite rankings for 2022 this coming season. Under the tenure of legendary head coach Eddie Robinson, Grambling State was one of the most decorated HBCUs on the gridiron, but the Tigers has declined, uh, declined dovetailed with that of HBCU football as a whole. Between hiring former NFL head coach Hugh Jackson and its historic NIL deal, Grambling State clearly envisions taking a big step up, um, big step up in the coming years, and I'm very, very excited to see that. Switching gears to, I guess you would call this baseball, but this is just disgusting, honestly. Absolutely, absolutely disgusting. A Jackie Robinson plaque that was vandalized with bullet holes last year will be displayed at the Negro League's Baseball Museum in Kansas City per Maddie Gelman of the Kansas City Star. The president of the museum, Bob Kendrick, explained his decision on Twitter saying, quote, defaced marker honoring Jackie Robinson coming home to the NLBM to remind us of the courage he demonstrated 75 years ago when he broke MLB's color barrier. MLB replaced the damaged marker. The sign was first placed near Robinson's birthplace of Cairo, Georgia in 2001 as part of a set of historical markers honoring black Georgians. In February 2021, it was one of multiple markers riddled by bullets. Very just sad. And look, you don't need to agree. Like, it's just like, why would you spend your time like vandalizing and shooting a monument that honors a good person or a good cause or like it's not like it was a Hitler. It, it's Jackie Robinson. Like, come on, dude. The assailants reportedly used a shotgun and pistol to damage the Robinson sign. I mean, you, dude, if you're using a shotgun to damage a Jackie Robinson uh, plaque, then you got to reevaluate your life, yo. I'm sorry. Um, a second sign was built to replace the damaged one thanks in part to a $40,000 donation from Major League Baseball. Quote, we want to make sure it's something that stands forever. April Brown, vice president of social responsibility for MLB, told the New York Times, quote, sometimes people do look at things as, oh, it's just a physical signage. But what it represents is how we can empower the community and audiences around social justice and to empower and lift up those who fought for rights for all. Great message. While the new sign was installed in Georgia last week, the original plaque will be permanently owned, loaned to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. It is, it is expected to be shown publicly in mid-April when the museum celebrates the 75th anniversary of Robinson's debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. Absolutely great stuff. Very excited to see that. But we got some college basketball to talk about. The latest AP poll is out. I said there could be movement with a marquee matchup between the Kentucky Wildcats and Kansas Jayhawks. And boy, was I right. After three top five teams suffered losses last week, the top of the Associated Press saw a very big shakeup for week 13. Auburn survived its scare against Missouri to remain number one, but Arizona, Baylor, and Kansas all lost as part of a wild week of college basketball. The top 25 is currently Auburn, Gonzaga, UCLA, Purdue, Kentucky, Houston, Arizona, Baylor, Duke, Kansas, Wisconsin, Villanova, Michigan State, 
Texas Tech, Providence, Ohio State, Connecticut, Illinois, USC, Iowa State, Xavier, Tennessee, Texas, Marquette, and LSU. A week after losing to Auburn, Kentucky showed that they are still one of the top teams in the country with wins over Mississippi State and Kansas. Not only did they beat Kansas, they beat them by 18. A huge win over the Kansas Jayhawks. They jumped from number 12 to number 5, while Kansas dropped from 5th to 10th, even after a double overtime win over Texas Tech earlier in the week. The SEC also looked good when Alabama earned an 87-78 win over number 4 Baylor. Baylor's been losing a lot lately for a team that's that good. I mean, their defense was nowhere near to be found as Alabama made almost 60% of their shots in the upset win. The Bears fell to number 8 in the poll after going 3-3 three and three in their last six games. They have lost a lot lately. Arizona got as high as number three in last week's poll, but they dropped four spots with a blowout loss to UCLA. The Bruins won three games last week to improve to eight and one in Pac-12 play, jumping to number three in the AP rankings. After reaching the final four a year ago, UCLA once again looks like a tough team to beat. The team must prove itself again with a road trip to Arizona on Thursday in Tucson. Auburn nearly became the latest upset victim on Tuesday against Missouri, but KD Johnson came through with five straight points late to help give the Tigers a one-point win. Um, so lots of shake up in the latest college basketball ap poll i feel like this season as far as who can win it all is absolutely wide open and we got some baseball to talk about major league baseball does not have a collective bargaining agreement but they do have an mlb the show 22 cover athlete shohei otani showtime will serve as the cover star for the latest iteration of the game which will be released on april 5th um Otani won the 2021 American League MVP award after hitting 257, 372, 592 with 46 home runs, 100 RBIs, and 26 stolen bases. He posted a 9-2 record with a 3.18 ERA, 1.09 whip, that's walks and hits per innings pitched, while striking out 156 batters in over 130 innings pitched. The two-way star is the first Angels player to ever feature on the show cover. Surprisingly, teammate Mike Trout has never been featured on the cover despite winning the MVP three times and making nine all-star appearances. I guess he's just not as marketable as guys like Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, Javier Baez, Yasiel Puig, Fernando Tatis Jr. But Shohei Otani is your MLB The Show 22 cover athlete. Switching gears to the NBA, uh, very unfortunate. Utah Jazz forward Joe Ingles has been diagnosed with a torn left ACL and will miss the remainder of the season per Woj of ESPN. He suffered the non-contact injury, which are, those are always the worst, during the second quarter of Sunday's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was going in for a layup as his knee buckled before he hit the court in pain. Oh, man, it just hurts thinking about, hurts talking about. He entered the game averaging 7.5 points, 3 rebounds, and 3.5 assists while shooting 41% from the floor and 35% from three. Uh, Ingles has been durable throughout his eight-year career. He has appeared in 82 games three uh, three times and in at least 67 games in each season entering the 2021-22 season. Though he plays off the bench behind Royce O'Neal, losing Ingles hurts Utah's de depth. There's no doubt about it. Behind Royce O'Neal and Ingles, the Jazz rotate Danwell Howes Jr. and Elijah Hughes. They're currently 30-21, and 21, which is fourth best in the Western Conference and 11 games behind the aforementioned first-place Phoenix Suns. Hopefully, Joe Ingles recovers quickly. Switching gears back to the 49ers and the quarterback situation. The San Francisco 49ers could turn to 2021 third overall pick Trey Lance next season after he spent a year as a backup to Jimmy Garoppolo. And while things are not set in stone, Lance told reporters Monday that he's thankful to have spent time learning under the veteran signal caller saying, quote, he's going to be one of my best friends for my whole entire life. I'm just thankful for the opportunity to have him to have him be in front of me. Lance's comments should not come as a surprise. Um, Niners head coach Kyle Shanahan said in early January that Lance and Garoppolo had mutual respect which only helped the rookie's development. 
Quote, I think the most important thing is that neither of them really have to try to do anything. Shanahan said, per Jennifer Lee of NBC Sports Bay Area, they are both themselves to each other. I think it helps that they both genuinely like each other, respect each other, and they are two good guys. I mean, that's you, you couldn't dream of a better situation if you're a team, if you have a quarterback situation like this. Lance also talked about Garoppolo's continued support in the past, saying the veteran has been one of the best teammates he has ever had, saying, quote, yeah, I've said a million times, Jimmy is one of the best teammates and leaders I've ever been around. So for me to have him, I know he's got my back on the sideline, whether good play or bad. He's the first one that's talking to me and making sure, making sure that we're seeing things the same way. So it's a huge help to me. Huge confidence booster, just that I know that he's another guy that's got my back. That honestly is great to see. Very unlike how Tom Brady was to Jimmy Garoppolo, how Brett Favre was to Aaron Rodgers, how Aaron Rodgers was to Jordan Love. There's always that bit of uh, kind of resentment and contempt for the guy that's trying to steal your job, but doesn't look like that was the case between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. More football to talk about. Josh McDaniels has finally been coerced out of New England. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders have hired former New England Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels as their next head coach. They officially announced the hiring in a press conference on Monday. Quote, it was going to take a special place for me to leave where I was. This is one of those iconic places, a historic organization, McDaniels told reporters. He spent the last 10 seasons as Patriots offensive coordinator. He had joined the New England organization in 2001 as a personnel assistant and held the coordinator position from 2006 to 2008 after working his way up the coaching staff. McDaniels said that the first thing Raiders owner Mark Davis told him was a reference to the team's 2001 AFC divisional round loss to the Patriots, which created the infamous tuck rule. Uh, he's telling him it was a fumble. McDaniels' first run as a head coach did not go so well, I mean, at all, as he led the Denver Broncos to an 11-17 and record in less than two seasons before being fired in 2010. Uh, I'm not sure if he will be an upgrade over Rich Passaccia, who did great. We'll, we're just, I, that's just, I just have a feeling. It's not really based on much. We'll just have to see. He spent one season as an offensive coordinator for the then St. Louis Rams before, before returning to the Patriots in 2012. A key moment uh, in his career came in 2018, and I remember this very vividly. I talked about this on the podcast four years ago when he backed out of a deal to become head coach of the Indianapolis Colts after the team had already publicly announced his hiring. His 11th hour decision to remain with the Patriots was a controversial one, so much so that his agent dropped him as a client in the aftermath. I mean, that is crazy for his agent to, I guess, maybe he's a high profile agent, but for his agent to do that, that is kind of nuts in my opinion. More NFL coaching to talk about. Jim Harbaugh, will he, will he stay at the University of Michigan or is he going back to the NFL? The Minnesota Vikings are reportedly taking another step toward potentially making Jim Harbaugh their next head coach. NFL Network reported the NFC North team will interview the Michigan Wolverines coach Wednesday. This comes after, quote, the side spoke Saturday to gauge Harbaugh's interest in the head coaching job. The list of candidates to the Vikings is also shrinking with Monday's developments. It's down to just Jimmy G. Fuck, not Jimmy. Jim Harbaugh, Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell, and defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, and Giants defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. There are multiple ways to look at the rumors regarding Harbaugh back to the NFL. On the one hand, he seems to have just turned a corner with the Wolverines after years of failing to live up to expectations. He led them to a victory over bitter rival Ohio State Buckeyes and, and the Big Ten title and a college football playoff appearance during the 2021 season, which were all first-time accomplishments in seven years back at his alma mater. It seems somewhat surprising that he would leave with a chance to establish long-term success at Michigan, and perhaps he's using the NFL as a leverage for an even bigger contract. However, another line of thought is that he reached 
his ceiling in Michigan, which is entirely possible and will struggle to replicate his 2021 success with a number of key players departing ahead of the 2022 season. Leaving now would be kind of similar to going out on top, on relative top, and it will give him a chance to pursue, pursue the Super Bowl, which he has never won as a head coach in the NFL. He went 44-19-1 as the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers from 2011 to 2014, while making the playoff three times and reaching the Super Bowl during the 2012 season, losing to the Baltimore Ravens. Minnesota could be well-positioned for immediate success with a roster that already includes Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback at all, um, especially you know in the NFC North. If uh, Aaron Rodgers ends up leaving the Green Bay Packers, the Vikings could potentially, potentially, they could potentially uh, dominate that division. And the last story of this episode is in regards to more NFL coaching. San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Demeco Ryans has reportedly declined a second interview for the Minnesota Vikings vacant head coaching position, according to NFL Network. Ryans plans... uh, to further his development in San Francisco as part of Kyle Shanahan's staff. The Vikings interviewed Ryans on January 23rd, and ESPN's Adam Schefter also reported that Las Vegas Raiders had interest in the first-year defensive coordinator before hiring a former Patriots OC Josh McDaniels as their next head coach. Ryans took over as the Niners' defensive coordinator this season following the departure of Robert Sala to the New York Jets. Before that, the 37-year-old served as the franchise's defensive quality control, defensive quality control coach in 2017, an insider linebacker coach from 2018 through 2020. I mean, look at that. In 2017, he was a defensive quality control coach, and he could potentially become a head coach in the NFL in 2022. That just shows that if you do your job, you do what you're supposed to do, you're a good guy, you can very quickly rise up in whatever industry you're in. The 49ers defense ranked third in the NFL in total yards allowed, sixth in passing yards allowed, seventh in rushing yards allowed, and ninth in points allowed in 2021. So they had a very, very good defense. It was also pretty solid in playoff games against the Dallas Cowboys and Green Bay Packers before allowing 20 points to the Rams last night. Minnesota is in search of of a new head coach after firing Mike Zimmer, who had been head coach since 2014. He went 72-56-1 overall, which is not bad at all, but led the Vikings to only three postseason appearances in his eight years at the helm. Uh, so we'll see who will become the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I'm not really sure. We'll see who it's going to be. Hopefully not one of the Rams coordinators as a Rams fan. But ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for episode number 383 of the one only Sean Sports podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, yeah, if you guys enjoy the show, feel free to leave a solid review on iTunes. Follow me on Spotify, Instagram, all that stuff. Lenny's picks on Instagram for the best picks in the world. And with that, I'm going to sign off. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have, you guys have a great day, night, whatever it is. Lonely, lonely stoner uh, is alone at night. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But um, fried as fuck. If you know, you know. But um, with all that said, have a good one, guys. I'm out.